Let me guess. You're playing your ball out of the wrong fairway again. Stop yelling four right after every shot and start playing the new Big Bertha B21 from Callaway. Because truth is, there's a ton of distance trapped inside your swing. You just need the technology of Big Bertha to unlock it. It's pretty simple. A straighter ball equals a longer ball. So Callaway built a whole family of Big Bertha drivers, irons, woods, and hybrids with a new formula for forgiveness. Big Bertha was designed to reduce side spin while generating an insane amount of ball speed, leading to straighter shots off the tee. That's how you unleash your inner distance. And Callaway made Big Bertha irons so forgiving you can practically hit them anywhere on the face and the ball just launches. No matter your swing, Big Bertha gives every shot more distance. Big Bertha is a full family of long, forgiving, and really easy-to-hit clubs. Say hello to the fairway again. Introduce yourself to the green, because this is distance any way you swing it. Unlock your inner distance today at callawaygolf.ca slash Big Bertha. Early in the COVID pandemic, when we were still learning about the virus, Canadians looked to the top doctors for advice and information. In BC and Alberta, residents were comforted by the calm demeanors of Drs. Bonnie Henry and Dr. Dina Hinshaw. But as provinces have rolled out back-to-school plans, that comfort has started to fade, with much of the criticism being directed at the health officials. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. I talk with the National Post's Tyler Dawson about where the criticism has come from, why the doctors are the targets, and how much provincial politics play a role. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Tyler, one of the things that's really stood out during the COVID-19 pandemic is how front and center the provinces and the country's top doctors have been. And that's especially true when you talk about Alberta and British Columbia. In the early days of the pandemic, there's Dr. Dina Hinshaw in Alberta and Dr. Bonnie Henry in BC were being praised for their work, their advice. Can you talk about how that played out in the Western provinces? Yeah. So at the start of the pandemic, like you said, very popular, I think did an excellent job of communicating clearly and reasonably with people. Probably we all have friends who, you know, were waiting every day to watch Dina Hinshaw's update. And so what sort of happened since then, I think, is because they have been so front and center, because they have been the face of the pandemic and the pandemic response to some extent, when things have gone less well, they're also the people who've taken the blowback. There is certainly a distinction between there ought to be a distinction, maybe I should say, between what is government policy and what government and politicians should be taking heat for. But I do think that both of them seem to have been caught up in this a little bit, caught up in the criticism. It's just sort of an interesting evolution in their role as public figures during the pandemic. Especially in BC, as you're in Alberta, I'm in Alberta, we all know that there there is a faction of the population that is not a fan of uh, Premier Jason Kenney or his government. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Hinshaw seemed to, at least for a while, temper that. And I think she helped add credibility to the government's response to the pandemic and maybe even help people look favorably on how the Kenny government has done. But that all seemed to change once we got to August and provinces had to start rolling out their back to school plans. And you start seeing both 
Henry and Pinshaw being criticized. So what are in BC and Alberta's plans for back to school now the kids are returning to the classroom? And what is it that people are freaking out about? The plans are broadly fairly similar, I would say. There are rules about physical distancing. There are rules about wearing masks in public spaces. One of the sort of glitches maybe in the plan that exist in both provinces is some of the mask rules while in the classroom. I don't believe in either province students must wear masks in the classroom. And both provinces have broadly similar rules for ages of students who are going to have to wear masks. You're never going to force a classroom of kindergarten students to wear masks, but high school students, junior high school students are a little simpler. One of the big differences, I would say, is that British Columbia has this thing called learning groups. And the idea is that you have the same cohort of students, teachers, aides, whatever, that are going to be together for a certain period of time when students go back to school, just to sort of minimize cross-contamination, cross-transmission, however you want to say it, of COVID between people in this sort of bubble group and the other learning bubble groups. What people are upset about is, it seems to me, mainly classroom size and staffing. If you look at all the complaints that are out there, and if you boil them down or funnel them up to the main issue, I think that's where it comes down to. Teachers, in particular parents as well, are concerned that you just can't physically distance when you have, say, 30 kids in a classroom. You don't have the infrastructure necessarily in the sense that some students sit at tables, not individual desks. So I think when it comes sort of right down to it, the big objection is about class size. But uh, I, I, I don't have kids, so, you know, it, it's possible my, my read on the objections is, you know, completely out to lunch. So a lot of the focus here seems to be on the province's plans, and presumably those plans are drafted by education ministry officials on the advice of the chief medical officers of health. So how do they tie in here? Why is the focus on them as opposed to ministry officials? Right. I think there's sort of two incidents, which is maybe slightly too strong of a word, that explains how this happened. And they both sort of happened over the last week. The first is that Dr. Bonnie Henry appeared in a 30-second government ad in British Columbia. And the ad was her standing in front of a class of children discussing the measures the province was taking to keep students safe. The second one is a little bit more complicated, but basically has to do with on Saturday, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dina Hinshaw, signed a medical order about social distancing in classrooms in Alberta. And people immediately assumed that meant that there was no more physical distancing in classrooms. People had already decided to send their children back to school on the understanding there was going to be physical distancing. The teachers' unions got upset, and it really just spiraled out of control rather dramatically. And in British Columbia, the issue that people were having is saying that, you know, this is not what a real classroom looks like. There's way more kids than that. This is not representative. Henry has become a, you know, a propagandist for for John Horgan's NDP government, things like that. <laughs> you know, these are reactions that you see on social media. So whether or not, you know, that's a sane representation of what people think is obviously debatable. And then on the Alberta side of things, Hinshaw had to come out on Monday and say, look, this actually doesn't change what I've been saying. You still need to physical distance. This is only for if you are in a classroom seated during a lesson or whatever, students don't need to be two meters apart because you might not be able to be two meters apart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, similar sort of reaction that this was her not maybe enforcing the rules that people had expected were going to be in place. 
that this was maybe a, a change in the message. So just sort of a visceral reaction in some ways, I think, to both of them over these incidents that, you know, fairly or not, did sort of come back to haunt them in some small way. The one thing that I was curious about in the case of Hinshaw and changing the amendment to the provincial order essentially is an acknowledgement of the realities that schools face and changing the rules makes sense because we wouldn't want the schools to be in violation of the rules that are set out that says that people have to be two meters apart. And I understand why parents and partisans may be concerned, but I get a sense it speaks to the realities of what's going on in these schools, right? Yeah, I think so. But but then, you know, that maybe circles back a little bit to what I said earlier about how this all does trickle back to class size. So if the province is saying, look, the reality is that there's not going to be the possibility of physical distancing in some circumstances, that sort of does, I think, play back into the criticism of the whole plan, whether, as you said, from partisans or parents or teachers, that something's amiss with class sizes. There's a whole separate debate about that and whether or not that's even a feasible option. It is sort of a self-fulfilling criticism or prophecy in some ways here, I think. A couple episodes ago, I I talked with our National Post colleague, Sharon Kirkey, about some of the research around kids in schools. And they talked about how kids under the age of 10 aren't necessarily as likely to spread COVID-19 as older kids. What are doctors Hinshaw and Henry talking about related to the research and the safety of kids in schools? I get the sense, certainly, they are doing the best with sort of the hands they've been dealt, parsing some of the science out there. It doesn't seem like there's super, super conclusive information. You know, you have some countries that have successfully opened schools. You have other countries such as Israel that have had disastrous school reopenings. So I think there's very much the sense that there, there needs to be a balance between certainly there's a risk to reopening schools. Even the premier said the other day that it's probably inevitable that some people are going to fall ill because of this. But that needs to be balanced against the other imperatives here, which are you know the education of children and also you can't really have a full economic restart or recovery until you have kids back in school so that you know parents can go to work. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think back a little bit here, but my sense is that they're not being super um, conclusive on the science. They're, they're not saying, look, there's no risk. They're not saying entirely kids are less likely to transmit, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think they're trying to sort of balance off these fears because the reality I, I gather, my impression certainly from what's been written is that we just don't totally know what the risks are going to be of this. I get the sense that both Dr. Hinshaw and Dr. Henry are trying to weigh science as much as possible. And I know in Dr. Hinshaw's case, she talks a lot about how provinces plan are based on plans from other jurisdictions. Do they differ much in their messaging from what other scientists or what other jurisdictions are saying about kids going back to school? It doesn't seem to me that is the case. There was a quote going around a couple of weeks ago, or, or maybe less uh, far back than that, from one researcher who was saying that this is, you know, a massive live action experiment in public health. And, you know, that's a pretty dramatic thing to say, I think. So <laughs> certainly, uh, neither of them are going quite so far as to say this is, you know, an enormously risky gamble. But they are, I think, saying that there's going to be a an evaluation on sort of a case by case basis, you know, everything about this pandemic, it seems to me has been, this is what we know at this point in time. This is what's happened in other jurisdictions. 
we're following that as best we can with the information we have available. And if new information becomes available, we will adapt to it as it comes. And I think other chief medical officers have struggled with that. I mean, if, if we think back to the very start of the pandemic, Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's chief public health officer, flip-flopped a little bit on mask guidelines at the start of this. Yeah, And that, I think, really does show how little in some ways we know about this and how there needs to be, or at least the public health officials think there needs to be some flexibility and malleability on how this is approached. All of that may be true, probably is true, but that's not necessarily the most comforting thing in the world to parents who've had to make these decisions about sending their kids back to school. As you mentioned earlier that Dr. Hinshaw had to come out earlier this week and restate her position on social distancing in schools. To what extent is this a communications problem? You have a new virus that we learn more about every day and every week, and that leads health officials to make decisions that may contradict past decisions, like with Canada's chief medical officer and masks. To what extent is it a case that communications in the health area are ever-changing and evolving, and so that creates confusion in the public? Yeah, I think that's very much a problem for anyone. I mean, one of the, the strange things generally is that a lot of experts are not great communicators about what they study and understand. And doctors Henry and Hinshaw, I think, have been really, really good at it. But people want straightforward answers. And, and you know, I think people expect and have come to expect answers from politicians on these things that even if it's spun, even if it's this, that or the other thing, saying sort of, I don't know or we need to wait and see, or something like that, is not generally an answer you get from authority figures, I would say, especially in politics. So it is a communications problem in the sense that you're trying to maintain you know, a reasonable level of concern about these things. But at the same time, you need to be clear that we don't know everything. And the, those, those two sort of imperatives, I think, can be in conflict. And I think partly that's probably why a lot of this has been left to them as opposed to politicians becoming really extensively involved in it because you do need an authority figure that can appear to be outside of partisan politics. On the politics note, it seems like, especially in Alberta, that partisan politics have found their way into the debate around policy. You know, you look at the polling numbers for premiers across the country. There was a poll that came out recently. John Horgan and Doug Ford are pretty high up when it comes to popularity. And Jason Kenney is second lowest in the country. How much of this is about problems with the plan or just anger or distrust towards the UCP government? I think it's probably a combination of everything. I would be curious to know if you somehow broke out the polling numbers about, are people upset about Jason Kenney's handling of the pandemic or are they upset about the economy? And I don't know what the answer to that is, but I do think, broadly speaking, Alberta's response to the pandemic has been similar to other jurisdictions. Outbreak rates have been broadly similar, I think. Death rates have been broadly similar. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe I'm totally mistaken here, but I don't see Alberta as a considerable outlier on any of the decisions made during the pandemic. The NDP opposition, I think, has very much found its legs in the past several months. So things like the criticism of how long it took to dole out the $262 million that the federal government 
gave to provinces for back to school. You know, the NDP has found a way to use its criticism of the corporate tax cut when it comes to back to school safety. So maybe there is something to the politics of it. I do think the NDP in Alberta has hit its stride and found a way to sort of keep hammering the messages and new ways to keep hammering the messages that they've been on for months. But it's, I think, pretty hard to look at Alberta politics and look at Kenny's approval rating and not wonder if this is about the economy and oil prices and whatnot, you know, Mm -hmm. as much as it is about COVID-19. Because, and this is sort of backing us way up in time, but he really did promise the moon during the election campaign in budget speeches. You know, he said, I am the person who's going to save Alberta. And that has as of yet not happened. And that's not necessarily his fault. But you know, he did promise quite a bit on the economy. And it's very much certainly more outside of his control now than it maybe ever has been. And some of that may tie back to how people view those who are delivering messages on behalf of the government, like the medical officers of health. Although I do find it interesting that, you know, Bonnie Henry is being criticized in BC, but the premier of BC still enjoys relative popularity. Or in Ontario, people are criticizing Doug Ford's return to class plan, but Doug Ford still enjoys a great deal of popularity. So that is interesting to see how there is that bit of disconnect there with how people are viewing the chief medical officers of health and how people view the premiers. Do we get a sense that people are starting to not trust the doctors because there's concern about the back-to-school plans, or is this just kind of a blip in this one area? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know if we have enough evidence to sort of say either way. Throughout the pandemic, there's been a degree of mistrust, I think, of chief medical officers of health. If we were talking about distrust of Hinshaw or Henry or Dr. Tam, what have you, you know, a couple months ago, it would have been the people who are really worked up about masks. It would have been the people who are saying, ah, this is just a flu. It would have been the people saying, we need to reopen the economy right now. The distrust has always been there. But earlier in the summer, that distrust was coming from not necessarily a different part of the political spectrum, but a slightly different cohort of people, I would say. And the critics now are not people in comment sections or columnists necessarily. They're also people who are regular people, maybe UCP voters, maybe NDP voters, all sort of facing these decisions about what to do with their kids. So do I think there is a large-scale distrust? I don't think so. Has there been a relaxation of people's level of concern more broadly about the pandemic in terms of going to parties and going to bars and stuff? I do think that. You know, in some ways, part of the distrust, if it has grown up, that, oh, we don't trust the plan, the plan seems, seems unsafe, blah, 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 is an indicator of how seriously the people that have those concerns are taking the pandemic. We're talking sort of very different vectors of concern here, I would say. But I mean, there's no hard evidence either way about the trust levels that Dr. Dina Hinshaw or Dr. Bonnie Henry have, I think. I'd love to see polling on it, frankly. Well, until then, I guess we'll see how the school rollout goes in both of those provinces and whether the plans are successful in keeping infections at bay. Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tyler Dawson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.